you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it up to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to be reading out of Romans 12 here in just a moment. And we're going to finish up talking about our series on change. Once you find Romans 12, I want everybody to look at me then. Everybody got Romans 12? Yesterday, I had a fight with my wife. And it was all my fault. Because there are moments I'm a big fat jerk. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is because about seven o'clock yesterday, I started thinking about talking to you here on Sunday morning about change. And I thought, you fraud. You are an absolute fraud. I don't know about you, but the thing that I hate the most when I see it is hypocrisy. I hate it when I see it. And there's nothing worse than when you feel like you see it in yourself. And so I started thinking, Lord, what in the world am I going to say? What what have I got to say to people about change? I I certainly don't know what I'm going to say because you know what? What flared this time has been flaring at times, for 25 years. Now, I want to be clear with you. I mean, I'm not, I'm not some drug addict. I haven't murdered somebody. I haven't stolen something. I'm not a cheat. I haven't, I haven't perhaps entered into all the egregious sins that we would label as such in the church or in the earth. But, but you know, there's this thing every now and then that just sort of leaps up in me, I know none of you would probably ever identify with this. So I'm just using this as my personal cathartic moment. But there's this thing every just every now and then that just, just jumps in me and leaps on me from somewhere, somehow, some way, that all of a sudden I just get mad as fire. Doesn't happen to you, though, does it? I, I, I know none of you, none of you in this room. And you know what happens is you go, you, you know, you go a while because, you know, because this is what happens. You know, you could look at look at pastor and say, you know, you would think somebody as smart as you or how you perceive to be smart would just have a lot more sense than that. And you know what's really hard is when you know yourself you ought to have more sense than that. And yet that thing just, just, can, just can leap and trigger. Now I want to tell you something. When, when you're talking about change, sometimes I think, and I, I even fall into this category, that our mind sort of leaps and goes over to those massive changes that need to happen in people's lives. You know, that, that they're just... 
you know, they're, 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 they are, they're addicted or, or they've got such bad habits that, that they're just, they're destroying their bodies or they're just, their lives are just so flagrantly out of order. And so we always kind of drift, I think, in those areas, but we never stop for just a moment and really, really look and ask ourselves the question, is there anything I really need to change? And you remember what I said at the very beginning, if you keep doing what you've always done, expecting different results, you are crazy. So change is important, incredibly important. And the truth is, everybody has an area in them that needs to change. Maybe you can't identify with those moments that anger flashes for whatever reason. Maybe yours is jealousy. Maybe yours is insecurity. Maybe yours is speculations. Maybe yours is habits. Maybe, maybe yours is any one of a number of, of, of issues that, that aren't easily seen by anyone else. But fact of the matter is, is if we could follow you around, truth is, folks might look at you and think you to be a tad hypocritical too. And there comes a moment that we all have to just kind of belly up to the altar and just say, Lord, just because I may not have as much change as another person needs, and maybe my change isn't exactly what their change is, and maybe in my mind I've rated the areas of change that I think are most important to least important, and since I'm at the bottom of the list, I can put mine off. We've just got to belly up to the altar and say, Lord, I need to be changed. I really do. I really do. But here's the deal. Listen to me now. Change is hard. Is that not true? Is it not true for some of you right now that you have done your best through maybe decades? Some little peccadillo, some little thing that's going on in your life. You've, you've, you've tried for decades in order to, to break that pattern, to change that way of thinking, to quit that way of responding, to, to somehow seize that, res, that response or that thing that just triggers all of a sudden. You've done your best somehow or another to, to, to do everything, whatever it is you thought you needed to do. You tried and you tried and you tried and you just, it just keeps coming back. Am I the only one in here that has ever felt like you try and you try and you try and it just ain't working? I'm going to give you a little picture that the Lord gave to me. In fact, before I get there, let me, let me, let me, before I give you the picture, let me, let me go to this. The thing that causes such guilt and fraudulent feelings to come up inside of us, I believe, is that we say we're Christians, and yet we got these things that we can't seize instantly. We know the truth, but there are these things that somehow or another... We just haven't understood how it's going to work in order to bring about the transformation that needs to take place. And, and I, I just, I was just making a quick list. And as you'll see, I just have this little card. It's not really my notes. In fact, I told Jerry back at the computer not to worry about too many of the notes because I'm going to be all over the map this morning. But as a Christian, you would think it would be easier for us to change, wouldn't you? I, I mean, really, just, I mean, don't, 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 don't get deep on me here. Just think for a minute, as a Christian, it seems reasonable that I should be able to change quickly, easily, and without all that much energy, effort, or difficulty. 
And there are several reasons, and I think I do have these on the screen that I can flash overhead. Number one is, we say that God's in us. Is that not true? Do we not quote 1 John 4, 4, which says, the greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world? And so here inside of us is this big God that's supposedly living. This God who in all of his attributes and nature and ways is absolutely perfect, all-powerful, nothing bigger. We say that he works inside of us. And you would think that if he's inside of us, why doesn't he just yank our chain or slap us up the side of the head or two-by-four us somehow and say, I'm going I'm to knock some sense into you. Before you do, I mean, he's inside there. He sees that stupid thought before it comes out of my mouth. He sees that stupid action before my foot ever goes that direction. Why doesn't he just, why doesn't he just, why doesn't he just nail me before I even get myself in trouble? So you would think it would be easier because he lives inside of us. The second reason is that we've been called to transformation. I mean, this is actually a call of God in the earth. It is his number one priority that we be forged and we be fashioned into the character of Christ. And so we're called to that. And I'm going to read in just a second Romans chapter 12, and you're going to see that call in very vivid ways come out in Romans 12. But I could take you to numerous passages and begin to underscore how that's our call. Our call is to change. Folks, until we die, we're going to be changing. Some of us should have done it quicker Some of us should have got a hold of some things a long time ago, but all of us are going to have to change in innumerable ways because because unless someone here is of virgin birth, we're all human beings. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that, that the liberty of the Holy Spirit in our midst brings change. It says that we're being transformed from glory to glory. So you may be enjoying life and life may be really good for you right now and you may find yourself at a place in life where things are fitting together and they're working good and things are smooth, whether it's, it's family, relationally, job, career, everything's smooth in life. But you know what that verse says? The verse says, as glorious as that moment may be right now, I'm, the Lord says, I'm going to change it to go to the next level of glory. The third reason is that God tells us when we change that we're promised something better. We're promised something better. God doesn't change you in order to take something away or to diminish something in your life. But God changes you in order to lead you to something better, probably something you don't even know or really don't have a total clue as to what that may be. I think that perhaps is the greatest lie of the enemy is that he fools us or he blinds us to believe that if change in certain areas actually takes place, that it will actually be more detrimental to us than it will be helpful. But you need to understand and hear what God's heart is, that when he brings change to you or transformation to you, it's not to be detrimental in your life, it's to help you, it's to, it's to, it's to assist you, it's really to reward you and to bless you and to cause life to function a whole lot better and in abundancy. When I started thinking about that short list of all the reasons why it ought to be easier for a Christian to change and then understand that for whatever reason or at least one reason that I'll share with you this morning as to the difficulty we all find ourselves in when it comes to change, man, I was was saying to myself, there's 
there's got to be an answer here somewhere. There's, 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 got to be, there's got to be something that we're missing. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about this morning as we just sort of wrap all this up. And now I want to tell you the story. Imagine with me that you're at home, you're in front of your TV screen. Let's just say it's about 2 o'clock this afternoon. And maybe, especially if you're a guy, now this probably wouldn't matter so much if, if you're a lady, so maybe you can just make a, make a different analogy. And let's just use a sporting analogy because I think everyone can probably latch hold of that fairly quickly. But let's just say that you're sitting in front of the television set this, this afternoon and, and you've brought together all your, your, your goodies in front of you because you're going to watch the Super Bowl. So you brought all your goodies, you've got your chips and your queso and you've got your, your diet drinks or whatever it is, your juices and you've, you've got your Twinkies and your Ho-Hos and your Bonbons and I mean you've got more food than one person could possibly put away in an afternoon. But you're ready because it's the Super Bowl and you're sitting there and you're watching it and, and the reason you enjoy it so much is because your whole life, your whole life you have, you have dreamed of being in a big game. Your whole life, you may be one of those frustrated athletes. You never had an opportunity maybe to participate in athletics. Or maybe you did, but you didn't get to go on to the college level or the pro level. But you always dreamed, you always had this, this vision that you would be a part of the big game. And so as you watch that, there's just this secret part of you that sort of just imagines what it would be like to be there on the field. Just imagine what it would be like in order to participate in this incredible, great event. And you're just sitting there, man, and you're putting the Tostitos away, and you're just enjoying it, thinking about it, dreaming about it. It's the day of the big game, and suddenly there's a knock at the door. Somebody comes to the door, and they look at you and say, you don't realize it, but we've heard about your dream, and we've heard about your desire. And we've heard about how you've always longed to be in the big game. And today is your day. It's early enough that we're going to put you on a private jet and we're going to fly you, where is it, to Miami? And we're going to fly you and you're going to get the suit up and you're going to play in the big game. And all of a sudden you're going, wow! Wow, the thing I've always wanted and the thing I've always longed for. I mean, can you imagine that? My day has arrived. The knock has come to the door. This is something that I've always longed to do. And you're just, you're wondering, do I have enough time to call somebody and tell somebody? And, and you're, you're thinking about how the, the, the missed purpose is going to come to pass and, and how everything you've longed for is going to suddenly manifest in your life. And you're just, you, you're exuberant. And then reality comes back as you look at the table full of goodies. And suddenly you begin to think about what you would look like as you put that tight uniform on. You begin, to, you begin to realize that at that very moment that, that if you were to go there, that, that to be candid, you would not only not be able to perform, but in all likelihood, you may well embarrass yourself. But then a thought strikes you. I know what I'll do. I'll try harder. I'll go to the game and I will just try harder than everyone else. I'll just give it more energy. I'll just try my best. And somehow or another, it'll work out. How many of you know that probably trying harder 
isn't going to make any difference at all. Whether it's a marathon race, whether it's golf, tennis, baseball, football, it doesn't matter. If all of a sudden you are called upon to do that very thing and, and, and what comes in your mind all of a sudden is, well, I know what I'll do. I will try harder. I will just try harder. Nobody will try as hard as me on that field to play that day. I'm here to tell you, if, if you were to send me onto that Super Bowl field and all I did was try harder, I would still get my brains knocked out. And most of you would too, I would suspect. But I just painted for you our problem. Listen to me very carefully. Because whenever we think about our future, and when, whenever we have the picture of what we want to achieve, and whenever we have the thoughts of all the things that we would like to do, and how we, how we envision our, our family, and how we envision a relationship, how we envision our career, how we, how we envision those things that are important around us, and when they aren't happening, and when we understand that something's got to change, even we as believers do this all the time. The first thing we say to ourselves is this. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to try harder. And how many of you know? Will you just be honest enough with me for just a moment? And just, and just belly up to the altar for just a moment. And just admit that you've tried harder, but you haven't won the game. Are you with me? There's some of you right now. You have tried hard for decades to deal with the issue that you knew you had the day you said, I do. You've tried harder. And it's still, it may not flash up weekly like it used to, but it still flashes up maybe once, twice a year. There's some of you right now, you've tried harder and harder and harder to kick a habit. You just tried hard. I, I, I'm not faulting your energy. I mean, you've come to the place or the crossroad and you've seen it in front of you and you said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to, I mean it, I'm going to try harder and trying harder just hasn't worked. I, I'm going to linger here for just a minute because I've got the blast to try harder out of you. Do you understand right now that God looks down upon you and he sees, and for some of you, you have tried very, very hard. It, it, you weren't lying when you said you'd try harder. You really were trying harder. You did everything you knew to do to, to put more energy to the equation, to get in the hunt, to do what you know you needed to do, to try to make amends and try to do the changes you needed to do. You put that kind of energy into the deal and yet you come up one more time and you say, why is it that I try harder and it just never seems to happen? Listen to me, trying harder is not the key. Training better is the key. You need to write that down. Trying harder is not the key. Training better is the key. In fact, you might even write this down. What it says there on the screen. Training, not trying. Training, not trying. Romans 12.1, it says this. Paul writes, in fact, this is the classic outline passage for change. Romans 12.1 says, as Paul writes, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies 
a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, Romans 12, 1, in the circles that I grew up in, it was preached a lot because we taught holiness and sanctification and we are a part of the group that, you know, you went to the altar at least twice, one to get saved and the next time to get sanctified. And the thing that used to bug us so much in those particular circles was we'd have all these sanctified folks acting as carnal as could be. And uh, they'd always say that God had worked on them and changed them, but truth of the matter is that that they'd never change. And it wasn't that they weren't trying. But you need to understand that there are certain things that got to happen that aren't about trying, it's about training. There are certain things that got to take place in your life that's not just about putting energy to it, although you've got to put some energy to it. You just, you just can't be the couch, the spiritual couch potato and think God's just going to sovereignly get you in the ball game while you're stuffing your mouth full of bonbons or, you know, Cheetos, Doritos, you've you've got to sure put some energy to it. But at the same time, you've got to understand that there are things right now you've got to do in order to meet that moment when you're challenged as to whether or not you've really been changed. And Paul is speaking here. What's interesting is he speaks here not to the world, but he says, I beseech you, therefore, who? Say that again. Who? Brethren. You know who brethren are? Yeah, Christians, it's us. He says, I'm I'm beseeching you. He says, I'm begging you. I'm I'm, I'm calling out to you, brethren, church folk, Christians. He says, by the mercies of God. He says, "I'm, I'm, I'm asking this happen to you, that there's going to be a moment that you're going to be transformed. Christians need to be transformed. Can we just say amen? I am. Pastors need transforming. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know that I'd share that. You know what? I'm just, there's no phony baloney anymore. Let's just get the phony baloney out and just begin to talk about how we can really find victory. Instead of everybody smile and everybody be plastic and everything's okay, in order that we can preserve our victorious doctrine, why don't we just say for once, you know what? I believe there's victory and I'm after it. And I didn't have it yesterday. Maybe some of you didn't have it yesterday. Or the day before, or last week, or last month. Here's the good news. I still believe you can get it. But listen to what he says. He says, I'm, I'm calling out to you, brethren. And so there's some things here. I'm going to give you five bullet points. And these will not be on the screen. So you'll have to listen to me and write these down. Because I just scratched these out real quick. As I started thinking about trying and training. Number one is, when it comes to training and positioning yourself in order for change, how change really happens in your life, number one is, you must acknowledge that change must take place. That's the first thing. If you will not acknowledge, now listen to me right now. I have heard this and I've done it myself. So I'll just tell on myself right now. We will start a conversation. I've heard this more times in counseling than I can count. And I'm sad to say that at times it wants to come up in me. And this is how it works. Well, you know, I know I'm not perfect, but. And then what you do is you tell the reasons why it's everybody else's fault. I know I'm not perfect, but. And then we begin to talk about the circumstance. That has has produced what it is that's going 
on with us. And so when I say to you, you must acknowledge change must take place, don't, don't be so superficial as to just to say this morning, because if I were to say this morning, everybody raise their hand that would acknowledge the fact that you need change in your life. I know 100% of you would raise your hand. And you'd look at either your spouse or your friend or somebody, and you'd have a conversation, and you'd look and say, well, you know, I know I'm not perfect. I know I have flaws and faults, but we got to kick some butt. I figure you'd remember that that way. But, 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 you must acknowledge that real change must take place. And you know what? Even, maybe God will change your circumstances. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll change other people. Maybe he won't. But here's the key. You've got to change. If no one else changes, no one else decides to change, let's just say everybody in the world just calls a moratorium on change. Nobody's going to change. You still have to change. I still have to change. And in order to acknowledge change, you got to get a little introspective. Now, guys, I'm going to just be in your tree for just a minute because I'm a guy. And I'm wired like a guy. And yesterday, the guy gene showed up in my house. You know the guy gene, the one that makes us clueless to how other people feel and what other people are going through and what other people's needs are because we're on to bigger and better and more glorious things. The guy gene showed up. And the reason the guy gene shows up every now and then is because, guys, we are not by nature and by gender. Now, this is not every guy, but it's a lot of guys. So I'll, I'll let some of the guys off the hook because you may be of a personality type that, that causes you maybe not to fall into this, but for a lot of guys, this is the issue. We are not introspective at all. Women tend to be the relational monitors. They tend to be more intuitive and introspective in their life. But for us guys, we just, we just, we just move forward. Go forward. Next goal. Take the hill. Next job. Make the money. Let's go forward. And there's some wonderful things about that in a guy that can be very helpful in all sorts of forms. But guys, I'm going to call a timeout this morning and look at you and, and just tell you that, that there's a moment we're going to have to get introspective. And I'm sharing this and I'm hoping even as I share about even challenges that I face, it will help you understand that if, if a pastor who is doing his best at times to try to live all out for God is challenged, I'm here to tell you, you aren't fooling anybody. You've got to acknowledge that change must take place. You've got to begin to introspect. You've got to ask questions. I've been asking questions. I don't even know that I have all the answers, but the key is whether or not you get an answer, you've got to still ask the question. When was the last time you ever asked yourself, why is it that I act like this? Or why is it in this particular situation, this particular feeling comes up? When was the last time you ever asked yourself that? When was the last time you ever just kind of stopped for a moment and looked around and said, why is it that, that when I'm faced in this particular circumstance, this is a reaction or this is a happening? Why is that? Why is that? Because, you know, if you just blow it off or you just keep trying harder to ignore it, how many of you know it isn't going to fix you? If, 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 if you hear a noise in your car, you can keep trying harder to drive it, but until you stop and get under the hood, it ain't going away. We are at least as complicated as your car. 
And so you need to pull over and you need to acknowledge through introspection there are some things that need to take place. Number two, you need to say at this point, you are incapable of changing yourself. Is that not true? Because you tried harder, remember? You tried harder. I give you credit for it. Really, I do. You tried harder. I've tried harder. We've all tried harder. We've worked at things as hard as we know to work at it. And it doesn't seem to work. So can we just stop for a moment and acknowledge this fact that I cannot change myself on my own. It's beyond me. I'm incapable of doing it. You know, whether or not you like 12-step programs or whether you think they, they don't work, it doesn't really matter to me. There is one part in those 12 steps, and some of you have been through different 12-step programs, and you'll know what I'm about ready to say. Number one is you stand up and you say, hello, my name is Kevin Baird, you know, and I'm an alcoholic, I'm a drug addict. Or, or why don't you, do, what we ought to do is have a 12-step where men just get up and say, hi, my name is John Doe, and I'm just mad. You know why we don't have that is because we don't think that's as bad as being an alcoholic. Really. I'm, my, my name's John Doe, and I'm just jealous. But we get by with that because we don't think that's as egregious as the dude that's on cocaine. And, as, and that's what they make you do. They make you stand up and say, my name, my name is Kevin Baird, and I live most of my life irritated. And you know what? It can be as besetting as a heroin addiction. And the only reason you don't think so is because you have now rated your sin and your change in order to get out of what you need to do in order to get yourself whole before God. That's the only reason. That's the only reason we, we blow it off is because we think somehow it's not quite as bad as what I see over there. And one more time, we rank ourselves by someone else and we always pick the person that's a little worse than us. Isn't that amazing how we always do that? Well, I'm better than them. And the, and the Bible says that you should measure yourself against the full stature of Jesus Christ. That's your measuring stick. And so they make you stand up. I'm John Doe and I have this problem, this addiction. And you declare it. And then the second thing, I don't know if it's step two, three, four, I don't know where it is, but somewhere in that 12-step program, you have to look and say, I am incapable of changing this thing myself. I can't do it myself. Trying harder hadn't worked. Pulling myself up by my own bootstraps one more time, isn't cutting it. I've turned over so many leaves. I'm leafless. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I mean, just, I'm always turning over leaves. I am incapable of changing myself. Now, I realize at that moment you're losing control. You're losing your ability in order to design your own life, control your own life. And it's going to be a very, a very, um, um, just a precarious position that you'll feel like you're in. You may feel like it emotionally. You may feel like it in any one of a number of ways. I'm just telling you, though, that by the very nature of saying, I can't do it, you've positioned yourself finally to let God do it. Really, really. So that's number two. Number three, are you writing these down? I hope so. Number three, you must become, according to Romans 12 here, you must become and present yourself a living sacrifice. 
You must become a living sacrifice. Now, what does that mean? A living sacrifice. Well, number one, it, it, the good news is you ain't dead. All right, this, is, this isn't really highfalutin Greek here, all right? I'm just kind of... You're not dead, you're alive. You're still breathing. You're still functioning. But you've got to become a sacrifice. You've, you, 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 you've got, you know, in ancient days when they'd bring the sacrifice into the temple area, they would take the animal, be it a bull, a goat, or whatever, and they would lay him bare. They would put him on the altar and he would just be laid bare, or she, or whatever the animal was. And what would happen once they were laid bare was is that the priest would come and have the sharp knife, and, and, and not to be gruesome, it's the way it worked, but slit the throat and, and open up the chest and bleed the animal. And he'd just be open and laid bare. You know, I believe it's Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joint and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There comes a moment when you must lay yourself bare. You must become a sacrifice and let God take his knife and begin to open you up. And the, here's the key. You... This is, this is, oh, we're just, we're just all lunatics sometimes. We, we, we have developed a, a theology of sovereignty that we have Christians who walk around saying this, well, God, if you want to do it to me, just do it to me. I'm open to your will, oh God, just do it to me. And you know what? That's not how it works. You must present yourself. God isn't going to do anything to you. If he was going to do something to people, wouldn't he have done something to Adam and Eve to slap their hand off that tree? He didn't even do that for them. You're going to have to present yourself and there comes a moment when you're going to have to say, oh God, take your scalpel, slit me wide open and begin to look inside of me and help me understand that when the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering patience when it begins to list these things and it ain't happening then i need some more surgery i need some more surgery you must become a living sacrifice you must present yourself where do you present yourself to the cross lay yourself bare humble yourself you know what you know what humility is humility is listen it's saying i am human it's finally saying i am human no one else may admit it. Everybody else thinks they're not, but I am human. And I need you working in me. You must become a living sacrifice. Number four, you must begin to learn how to break old patterns of thoughts and actions. You must learn how to break old patterns of thoughts and actions. Now listen, he says, don't be conformed to this world. It's interesting because that passage is really, really good in the original language. In fact, if you have the the new King James Version Spirit and Life Bible. How many of you, Spirit-filled Life Bible? A lot of you read the same versions I read. Well, you know, I'm going to use the cheat sheets here for just a minute. It says here in the word wealth, for the word conformed, it says refers to conforming oneself to the outer fashion or outward appearance, accommodating oneself to a model or to a pattern. Um, so what he's saying here is he's saying you cannot pattern yourself you cannot you cannot fashion yourself to this world and when he says this world he's talking about the way the world works i understand that everybody else gets mad under certain circumstances but that doesn't mean you get to i understand everybody 
maybe steals a little bit from their workplace. But that doesn't mean you get to. I understand that the world has a way of doing things and we sort of wink at it and say it's okay. But he says we cannot conform to the patterns of this age. But he says be transformed. He says be changed. Now how do we do that? How do we break out of those old patterns? How do we break out of those old old thoughts? How do we break out of that, that whole system that's working in us that keeps us doing what we've always done? He says, it happens by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. So first off, I've got to acknowledge what I have to break. I've got to begin to put those off. I have to begin to recognize, Lord, what this person does, what that person does, it doesn't matter. It's not what you want me to be doing. So I must, I must identify and I must begin to break those things. Let me read this because we always have people that have never heard some of these things. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Listen to what he says. 2 Corinthians 10, 3. He says, for though we walk in the flesh. Is that not true? We do not war according to the flesh. I'm just kind of sharing with you. When I read that, I thought to myself, you know, that's try harder. Right there. We walk, we walk in the flesh, but we do not war according to the flesh. That is, that is, we do not just try harder. Because when you try harder, what you're really doing is you're saying to your flesh, work, war. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but mighty in God, right? For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity... ...to the obedience of Christ. And what have I always said... ...that we always forget when we're in the heat of the moment... ...you do not take on a thought with a thought... ...but you capture a thought by what? A word. You capture a thought not with thinking something different... ...you capture a thought by a word. Or I could even say by an action or an obedient action. And so you've got to break out of those patterns. How do I break out of those patterns? By, by implementing what God said to do... By way of speaking or being obedient. And then finally, number five is where we get to you must implement new things out of a renewed mind. It says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In fact, it's only by the renewing of the mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Whenever I read the scripture, I always ask myself sort of the negative question or or, or sort of the inverse question. What he says here is this. He's, He's saying... A renewed mind can figure out the will of God, the purpose of God, and the destiny of God. Therefore, an unrenewed mind cannot figure out the will of God, the plan of God, or the purpose of God. So if we choose not to renew our mind, you will never get to destiny. If you choose not to take steps by which old patterns can break, change can enter in, and transformation lay hold, you will never get to destiny. Man, that's significant, isn't it? Isn't that, that's serious. Because that's going to answer the question for many of us, why it seems like there's always a blocked door, a locked door. Why there's always an impediment and an obstacle. Why is there all these things? It's because our minds have not renewed. There was an old cartoon, and some of you won't remember, some of you will. It was the cartoon called Pogo. He was just this little comic strip character. And, and one of the famous phrases that he uses in that 
is that he, he makes this announcement. He says, we have met the enemy and he is us. Isn't that true? Sometimes the devil isn't your greatest enemy. Sometimes all you have to do is look in the mirror. And you must begin to implement those things to a renewed mind. And this is the training part. And let me just give you just several, hopefully, just some real practical things. Some of these will be reminders. Some of you will go, yeah, I know, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Okay, I know I'm right. You know I'm right. We all know God's right. Now the point is train, implement, put in. Wake up tomorrow morning and say, today it's different. Number one, this is what I wrote down under implementing new things. Number one. Pray, pray, pray. Pray. You know what praying... You know what praying, I think, can help us do if if you'll allow it to do that? I believe if you'll find a moment to sincerely, seriously get before God... And again, you, you you don't have to get next to your bed or next to your chair and have to kneel down. I don't care if... You stop in the parking lot of where you work or on a job site or whatever it may be. But just, but just find a moment when you can get away and begin to pray. And I actually believe that praying can help you begin to look internally. God, God can begin to speak to you and begin to talk to you about you. And here's the great thing about the Lord. The Lord isn't doing that in order to hammer you. He's doing that in order to transform you, in order to get you to his good and perfect and acceptable will. Which is the best place you could ever imagine. It's better than what you could imagine because probably your imagination is a tad bit twisted. But wherever he's got for you, I will assure you it's a great place. And so you've got to find that, that place to pray and make, and make praying a priority. Make it a priority. Can I just share something with you? Well, let me give you the second one. The second one is this. Read, read, read. Read. And then read some more. I've just decided today's the day I'll just dump the truck. Listen to me, listen to me. My job, listen, my job ostensibly is really talking to you about this book. I mean, I do other things. There are other aspects to what I do. But, but by and large, a lot of what I do surrounds helping people understand or implement, plug in this book somehow. And everybody would say, well, yeah, we, we, we know that. That's why you're pastor. But, but knowing that, listen to me real quickly. Listen to me. When I say read, I'm not, I'm not saying do your job. I'll just tell you, sometimes that's my problem. It's not that I don't read. It's that I read because that's my job. Are you with me? Some of you read, and you're not a pastor, but you read because that's your job as a Christian. You do it because, well, I guess I should do it. I'm going to read, I'm going to do devotions, because a pastor ever preaches on devotions and he hammers us about doing devotions, I'm, bless God, not going to get hammered. Because I will have done my devotions. And I can look at everyone else and say, surely he's talking to you. I'm I'm not not letting you off the altar. I'm not going to let you wiggle out today. I'm telling you, we we can read but not hear. 
We can read but not see. We can read but be clueless. And I'm telling you, when I say read, you've got to begin to read. And as you're reading, you've got to begin to say, Lord, what is it that you're working on in me? You don't read the book and say, ha, I know five people that are that verse right there. I'm going to give them that verse today. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I've got my weapon in my hand to go to work today. Hallelujah. No, no. Let's just, let's just, let's just call a truce to all of that stuff and let's just let's just take a season how about it why don't you just enter into a season right now why don't you just come with me for a season for just a minute and just quit looking around and start paying attention to yourself because i'll guarantee you you do that it'll make you go yuck quick enough read 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 let me give you number three right now tapes Listen. CDs, listen. Turn it on TBN, INSP. I'm not saying I know you're all going to watch the Super Bowl, and that's fine, I am too. But that's a once in a year deal. I'm just telling you, we've got to figure out that what goes in is going to eventually come out, and sometimes there are things that aren't evil. I'm not saying they're evil. But I'm just telling you, God's working me over. He's working me over on how much news I listen to. Can I just share that with you? I'm just, I'm getting kind of worked over. I listen to a lot of news. Now, there's nothing wrong with news. I can remember growing up, my dad listened to a lot of news. In fact, I can remember being, you know, young or a teenager and saying, why are you listening to so much news, man? That stuff's boring. And now I find myself listening to news. Probably something in that too. But you know what? I'm coming to the conclusion that what goes in eventually comes out. And I'm just telling you, we've got to shut the faucet off to some things. Because here's what we do. We're wiggling, we're wiggling, and we're saying, oh, it's not that big a deal. It's not evil. It's not evil. But I'm telling you, if it's not producing fruit, then shut the faucet off. And you say, well, what should I shut off? I can't define everything in your life or my life, and my life may be different than yours, and yours may be different than mine. But the truth is, we've got to begin to say, Lord, what do I need to do to renew my mind? I mean, it's just, it's just good to be, have your mind renewed. Can I just, I love, I love to watch Fox News. This is, I'm just, I'm just going to dump the truck. Is that okay? I'm just dumping the truck. Fox News isn't going to renew my mind. Are you with me? Now, Fox News isn't evil, is it? No, well, I don't think so. But, but you know, we used to get on the women because they watched the soap operas or you know, we, we, we got on other things that you ought not watch this and you ought not watch those, you know, uh, those supernatural, paranormal, evil kind of shows. And I guess because of what was going on was so overtly bad or evil or, or God commands us to avoid it that we could say, well, yeah, I can understand that. But some of you right now, you're, you listen to easy listening music. I'm not trying. It's not evil. It's not evil. It may not affect you. I don't, I'm not here trying to be the Holy Ghost for you. I'm just trying to say... Find your faucets, and if it's not being edifying and renewing, turn the darn thing off. Because the world gets umpteen hundreds of hours on us, and then we get maybe an hour with Pastor Baird that we think is a little long at times. I will hammer you now. Get a devotional life. Wake up in the morning. Start your day off right. 
Number five, how about finding an accountability partner? I mean somebody real. And guys, can I just say this? I think it was, I think it was Michael, it was you. God bless you. Because Michael gave us a book. And I, the title of the book, I want to make sure I get the title right, Michael. It was, I, I've heard the voice of God, and it sounds like my wife. <laughs> I've heard the voice of God, and it sounds like my wife. Sometimes I've heard the voice of God, and it sounds like my husband. Now, guys, ladies, that may not be the easiest accountability partner, but one of the reasons God puts us together is that there is an, there is an accountability to it. And so you can't just look at your spouse and say, well, you can't be my accountability partner because of this, that, or the other. We need to break the familiarity off that relationship and start trusting one another again and let them be some of those voices in our life because they're probably the one that loves us the most, cares about us the greatest probably are the ones that want the best for us. And then the last one here, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six. You need to get into a local church that promotes transformation. Now, I'd like to think we do that. But here's the bottom line is, is that, is that it's not about being endorsed. God's not endorsing American culture. He's not endorsing what everyone does in the earth. He's trying to change us and transform us. And there's not a person out there no matter what church they go to, including this one, that doesn't need change to take place in their life. We have, we have ground everything down to a few theological bullet points, which is for most people in the Bible Belt South, it's this. I was saved when I was young. I've gone to church faithfully. I know I'm eternally secure. So what more could there be? And that's what we live on. And we aren't finding the character of Christ being developed in our life. I'm not debating these doctrines with anybody anymore. My point is this. I don't want to be an eight-year-old forever. And that's the problem. God touched you at eight and you never grew up. And the truth of the matter is, he touched me when I was 18 years old and there's still some things that it, it's irritating me. That it hadn't fully gone to the cross. And I'm just here to tell you before 2007 is over, I'm not mad at Trace. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at God. I am just flat mad at the sin that so easily besets. And I'll be doggone if that thing's going to win. I just, I'll be doggone. I don't even know if that's good English. I don't know if I just said something bad. But that's how I feel inside. When, when do you... When you just get sort of a righteous, with stupid stuff, you do. You just, you just say, I'm just tired of being stupid. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I was watching, I was watching the other day uh, kind of a funny, funny movie. I don't know that I'll give you the name of it because I don't know that I can recommend it. I can't think of everything that's in it right now, but... But there was a point in it that there was this guy who had lost his, his true love. And uh, he lost his true love because uh, he, was, he was working at climbing the ladder and he was wanting to be successful. And he had avoided whatever it was in his relationship that he needed to address. And he was just after all these things 
that seemed so alluring in the world. And so he had, he had fractured this relationship in, in, a, in a very significant way. And he finally awakens. There was a moment he had that awakening aha moment when he, when he realizes all these sorts of things. And uh, he's, he's a high-level executive. And, and there was a moment that he, when, he, when he gets that revelation, he's going to go after this, this lost love that he had. And he's putting on the coat. And he's getting it all put together, fixed up. He's, he's about ready to walk out. And they ask him, uh, his assistant asks him, he says, uh, Sir, what are you going to do? How are you going to do this? I mean, how are you going to be able to mend all of this? And he says, I'm not exactly sure, but I do know groveling will be in there somewhere. I always think of that. Because there's a moment in order to reconcile, in order to, in order to renew, whether it be your relationship with God or even someone else, there's a moment that you just... Humble yourself, even to the point maybe of embarrassment. You know, the Bible says that we're to humble ourselves, humble ourselves. Isn't that an interesting verse? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt you in due season. And we read that and think we get it. But here's the choice. I guess we either humble ourselves or God will humble us himself and he can do it boy can he do it so there comes a moment i think in all of our lives when it comes to change that we say to ourselves number one yeah i really want to change number two is i haven't been able to do it myself so maybe maybe i ought to try another plan here and number three is god i want to humble myself and say you got to do it you just got to do it. I'm, gonna, I'm certainly going to put my energy to it, but, but you've, you've got to do it. And he'll, he'll only be able to do it is when you do the things that he's given to us to do. Are you with me? Change. Don't, 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 don't end this year like you are right now. I, I am, before you and God, I am not going to end this year. I'm just not going to end this year like I started it. Just not. That's where it starts. How about you? Where's it going to start for you? I'm going to pray here in just a second. A prayer change. And uh, i tell you what let's do. Let's just stand. Would you stand with me please? And I'm already down front. <laughs> but in these next few moments I'll tell you what I want to do. If you just want to say... We have, we have crosses here. You don't have to get in front of the cross. But the crosses are down here sort of to represent to you that, that this is a cross zone. It's a cross zone. And, and we want you in this cross zone to be able to say, Lord, that's me. I, I, I want to I be different. I acknowledge it. I want it. I'm, I, this year, by your grace, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. God bless you, Danny. God bless you. Don't play anything, guys. Turn that off. Just turn that off. You know, the Bible says that godly sorrow bringeth forth repentance. 
And repentance leads to salvation. And salvation isn't just knowing where your eternal destiny is, but that word, most of you know it, it means to be whole. To be a whole, complete person. And there comes a moment that godly sorrow comes. And, and I'm not saying you, you, the tears aren't necessary, but there comes a moment when you just say, you know what? God, I'm just serious. I am serious about wanting to be all out for you. I'm serious. I'm serious about my, my personal, my personal character issues. I'm talking about what no one else sees. I'm serious about this. I'm glad you've not slept around. I'm glad you've been faithful in your marriage. I'm glad you're not a drug addict. I'm glad you're not doing cocaine or anything else. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that that egregious stuff has been taken away and you aren't even enticed by any of those things. But now we're just talking about all that stupid, emotional, internal stuff that just causes us to be messed up. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Next week, I'm going, to talk about, I'm going to talk about a major key that God has unveiled to me. And I've just decided if 2007 is going to be, is going to be the year of freedom, then you're going to hear everything that's going on with me in this journey because I'm going to be free. It's just that we're not going to smile and just say, it, I'm okay, you're okay, when ain't nobody okay. So we're going to pray here in just a minute. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. You see these people's hearts. I don't even know. I see good people here. I see people that love you a lot, that serve you. Lord, from every outward appearance, they serve you wholeheartedly. But Lord, right now, for whatever reason or dealing that's going on, you're talking to us about getting down to thoughts and intents, to getting down to motive, to getting down to the real areas of change in our life. And Lord, if we evaluate ourselves by the person we're standing or kneeling next to, Lord, we might come out looking pretty good. But somehow or another, when we stand next to the cross and we get a vision of you, we just don't come out quite as clean. So Lord, I pray right now that as your people humble themselves under the mighty hand of God, that, oh God, you would begin to do the work that we cannot do. Lord, we confess to you, we have tried harder. We have put our energy to some things, and it seems to come up empty. But Lord, in that confession of our trying harder, and as we lay down the weapons of the flesh, Lord, we open ourselves up right now to an infusion of true grace. Not this false wink at us grace that gets declared at times that excuses us from our behavior but true grace that empowers us to be different lord we have avail ourselves and open ourselves to this happening in our life lord i pray right now that it's not just another trip to the altar lord i'm not looking for people just to have a little moment that they can go and say they had a little moment but lord i'm praying right now that 2007 this year lord this year that sin that so easily besets us that 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 attitude that mistake that that thought that feeling lord this is the year that thing is broken in the name of jesus it's broken we believe that there's real victory that's out there we believe it. We believe it. And Lord, we come. We come with repentant hearts that we've just messed around with this. But today, Lord, 
we get serious. And we are so glad that you are long-suffering and you are patient. Lord, we're so glad that you do not leave us despondent or hopeless in this in this pursuit, but that, Lord, today you look at your people and I believe there's a smile on your face. I believe right now there's something in you that is saying, Lord, to your people, I I want you more than anything else you do. I just want you. Lord, let let them sense that goodness and let them sense, Lord, your confidence and affirmation. And I don't want them leaving this place feeling, Lord, like they somehow they aren't, They aren't worthy or good enough. I break that in the name of Jesus. Lord, I want them to know that their only hope is in you and that you are more than enough. You are more than enough. Yes, you are. Lord, we break the cycles. We break the cycles in the name of Jesus. Sometimes we go a week or two and then we can put it away a month or two or maybe even a year or two. But Lord, right now we break the patterns and the cycles that take place and we say it is broken today in the name of Jesus. We're breaking that pattern, that thought. We're breaking the thoughts right now that say, well, this must be the way I am. We break that. That just must be my cross to bear, my burden to bear. I break that in the name of Jesus. There is a victory that has yet to be apprehended. We lay hold of that this day in the name of Jesus. We acknowledge before you, Lord, we were wrong. We were wrong. In fact, you just need to acknowledge before the Lord. It's not not a mistake. You were wrong. You're wrong. And as you humble yourself at that moment, I'm telling you, God, God is moving to restore you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I break every sense of judgment or condemnation in the name of Jesus. Lord, I break any embarrassment right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, if we can't be transparent in the house of God when we're home, where else are we going to do it? So, Lord, I pray right now that this would not be a place of shame or embarrassment, but this would be a place of freedom in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you unveil who we are, not to shame us, but to heal us. Thank you, Lord. Lord, work right now. Just let him work right now, okay? Let him work right now. Guys, if I got guys in the sound booth, you can go ahead and and just punch in the quiet times. But I want you to take just a moment before you go this morning. And I want you to let the Lord work in you right now. Because I suspect while I was speaking, that there may have been maybe an issue or two. Because I kind of just tossed a few out there that, that maybe resonated in you. And that's great, and maybe that's how God did it for you. But, but you know what? Some of you, some of you heard the precept, and there was some things that I never even mentioned, I never even said, but you knew God was talking to you. And, and, and you need to let him and, and give him time right now to begin to just say, yeah, I'm touching that thing right now. It doesn't have to really be that way. I understand, and you know what? He understands, too, that you're not going to be a perfect person suddenly when you walk away from this altar. God knows that. But you know what? You're going to quit living off the bumper sticker that says, I'm not perfect, but I am forgiven. We're we're, we're going to be forgiven, yes, but we're going to be changed and transformed too. And the reason I declare it is because, because if we don't declare it, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if we don't declare it, we won't have faith for it. Because I believe it can be different. I, I believe it can be. Let him work in you right now.
Let him do, let him, let him, let him do that work. Let him take the, take the knife of the word and just begin to open you up. Right now, let her get inside there. Some of you right now, you're saying to yourself, well, you know, I grew up, I grew up in a house and that's all I saw. And, and, I, and I know I saw it, I'm doing the very thing that I saw happen. And that's true, you've identified it right, but you know what? It's not your home, it's not your parents, it's not your, your environment, it's not their fault. It's, it's you've embraced it and now let it go. Let it go. Say, well, you don't understand. You don't understand what I go through. You don't understand the people that I have to go to work with. I have to be around. You don't understand. I understand. I don't get it. I confess. I probably don't understand. But I know enough to know this. They aren't your problem. But the good news is when you can come forth and say, Lord, here's the problem. I'm presenting myself. God says, well, great. I can, I can change that problem. I really can. Lord, I pray right now. I hear the tears. I hear the sinuses. <laughs> Lord, let it wash away. Let it wash away. Let, let your tears speak that which we don't even know what to say. Let it begin to take place here. Lord, we just want to be the real deal. Transparent folk living out all out for you Lord I believe I'm just declaring it right now I believe that 2007 God's not just going to heal marriages but he's going to cause them to be the best representation of godly Christian households that this city has ever seen he's just not wanting to get you back to normal he's he wants to get you to prevail he's going to heal fractured broken relationships of years I believe he can do that you say, well, you think he's going to work in those other folks? I have no idea. All I know is if he works in you and he works in me, that's all that really matters. I guarantee in the next couple weeks, I'm just going to share stuff with you and I'm just going to believe God's going to help set you free. You just bring, bring your Kleenex with you. Just bring it with you. Say, I don't know if I want to come. Then you don't want to get whole. You got to want it. You got to want to get whole. You got to want to be whole. I respect a person that wants to get whole. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that you would start that process. As we end this little series on change, Lord, we end it presenting ourselves, saying, okay, now, Lord, I'm, 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 I'm going to be available for you to do this work. Now work it in me. Do it in me. Give me the keys. Give me, give me the thing that I've been missing, that I didn't see quite right. Open up a new area that, that, that has been lost to me. Lord, I, I, I'm confessing, I'm feeling out of control right now, but, but know this, that he's going to give you the answer because he's in control. Now. Lord, every can that's been opened right now, I pray that you would swoop in and fill up and live big. Lord, would you give us a season? I ask you right now, give us a season, Lord, that, that we can walk, even in our ignorance. Lord, give us a season that we can walk in order that we can 
we can see change and growth and we can, we can find measurable types of results that will give us the encouragement to not turn back, but to keep going forward. Lord, I know that it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be just, just everything falls into place. But Lord, I am praying for a season that as we open all the cans up and look inside, that you'd allow us from week to week for a season to be protected, to be kept, to keep our hope, to know that there's a better day yet ahead, to know that maybe we aren't all that we should be or could be, but we aren't what we were, and we're moving towards where we need to go. Lord, let that encouragement come to your people today. Lord, I pray today somehow you make, you wipe slates clean and let, it, let them have a new start, a clean start. Lord, help them to realize, help your people to realize there's nothing they can do of an, in and of themselves to be an atonement, but Lord, they can lay hold of your cross and you are the atonement. And they're forgiven. They're forgiven this day in Jesus' name. Lord, you've looked and you've heard and you've seen. And now forgiveness. The Bible says this. Jesus said this of the disciples. He said to them, he said, any men's sins you retain, let them be retained. But any men's sins you release or remit, they are released. I'm telling you right now, I'm not Catholic in my doctrine, but there's something about hearing a voice that says this. You are free and you are forgiven. You are free and you are forgiven. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't free you and I didn't forgive you. God freed you. He's forgiving you. But you need to hear that voice right now that says, I know, I, I, I know you're not perfect, but you've come and you said, forgive me, and you're forgiven. You said, free me, and the Lord says, I'm freeing you. I'm going to give you even more than this to free you up. Be patient and walk with me. You're going to be amazed. Some of you will wake up tomorrow morning and you'll crack your Bible and you'll read something and for the first time in your life, he's going, to, he's going to mark your name on that passage and you're going to read it like you've never read it before. I believe that because your desire is to be transformed. And Lord, I pray one last thing before I dismiss these people. I pray that Lord, you would redeem the time and that you would restore the years. Redeem the time and restore the years. There are just some things that we've lost because of our resistance to you. And Lord, there's nothing we can do to go back naturally and recapture it, but Lord, somehow as you are so able to do, your word says you can restore the years that the canker worm and the locusts have chewed up. You can redeem the time. Make it different. Thank you for the do-over you're giving people right now. I thank you that God you're declaring to them, do-over. And they get a new shot at it. Lord, thank you for the ones right now you've caught in time that they don't have to get their do-over, but they can change right now and say, you know, I think I'm catching this in time. I, I have time. God, you've given me the moment. I thank you for that too. You're, you're an amazing, amazing God. So Lord, we just breathe in your goodness and your love. We appreciate that. And we're really ready for a good future, 2007. I want everyone to say with me right now, 
Say, in the name of Jesus, I am not the same. One more time, in the name of Jesus, I am not the same, but I am being changed right now and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap. Praise God. All right. Praise God. Well, as you're fellowshipping, God bless you. We're going to see you next Sunday. And God's going to be with us. And you're released. Guys, you can play the, the, the jam-up music. But God bless you. He loves you. We love you. You're released.